You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, tonight, we're joined by one of the best leadoff hitters of the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, he had a 14-year major league career in which he hit above 305 of them, scored 100 or more runs in four of them, and was a perennial league leader in stolen bases. Uh, he'd go on to retire with a lifetime 297 batting average and an excellent 360 on base percentage. I've always been a big fan of performers both on stage and on the field that set the table for their team, kind of like a spark plug. A lot of you know my affinity for like Johnny Damon or Kristen Chenoweth. This guy's very much of that mold, except he didn't play in New York, but always loved him as a kid. Uh, so if you'll please turn your attention to home plate just beyond the marquee, now batting, Shannon Stewart. Shannon, welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, that, that introduction, I need to send you a check. How much you want? How much you want for that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you and I worked that out before. I was expecting, you know, to see the five figures uh, in a little bit, but we're, we're you know, you, you, you'll get six for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, man, great to see you. I got to tell you, I've talked to a lot of, you know, ex-ball players before. You pretty much look the same as when you retired about 12 years ago. I got to give you props, man. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I, I just don't have no hair. Other than now, I still can swing it a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. A lot's changed since you retired since 08. Let me ask you, do you miss the game? Do you still watch? Where's What's your take on baseball these days? Do I miss the game? I I do miss the game. You know what I miss about the game? I miss the camaraderie with, with the players. I mean, you can't beat coming in, I guess, 4 o'clock and taking BP and talking to the guys and just talking about everyday life, um, joking, you know, doing stretching, everybody would joke around, you know, talk about what's going on and clown on each other. I mean, that was the fun part. You know, the, the, play, the playing wise was, it was good. You know, I mean, I was a competitor and, I, you know, I just always wanted to do well. The only problem with me is that I didn't really enjoy it as much because I took it so serious. I look at a guy like King Griffey Jr., a uh, guy I played with Jose Cruz Jr., those guys had a lot of fun when they played. I guess I guess because Griffey was so good, you know, and I was trying to be that good. But no, but, um, you know, I had a, had a lot of fun playing, 14-year um, career. Uh, I can't, I can't um, be more grateful for what I was able to accomplish. When you look back at that career, what are you most proud of? Well, I'm proud of longevity because that, you know, being able to play along, it's just a testament of, of being able to play at that level. Um, you know, the teams I played for, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for those those teams. Toronto for drafting me, Minnesota for trading for me, and, and Oakland for picking me up that one year. Um, uh, had great teammates. Um, just enjoy enjoy playing in the different cities, the fans. I mean, if I had to miss one thing, we would probably just – be playing in front of packed stadiums, you know, which they're not doing right now. But, you know, especially when I was playing in New York, that was that was my all-time great, playing against the Yankees and the fans always getting on me and, you know, going up to those great teams. So that's what I really miss. 
Let's talk about the highs of New York for a second because you played on some great Twins teams that would square off against the Yankees in the playoffs. And it was the, you had, you know, you were a veteran at that point. You had played quite a few years in the league and it was your first real run at the postseason. What do you remember about being at the old Yankee Stadium, the house that Ruth built, you know, when the lights are extra bright during the postseason? You know, that, that was to me the mecca of, of baseball back then. I mean, going there, playing especially against those great teams. Every year I played, well, when I played in the East, they had great teams. And when we got the playoffs with Minnesota, obviously they were great. But, I mean, that atmosphere is just, you can't describe it. You go out there and the fans, you know, the fans is always, it's almost like a, a 12th man. It's like they're part of the team. I mean, they, they, they boo you, you know, they're screaming at you. They're making fun of you. But, you know, it's weird because it's actually, um, it's fun. You know, it's fun. Usually, when fans get on you, you know, you get mad and you know, talk about you. But, man, playing in Yankee Stadium was just – it's just exciting. I mean, I guess it's because it's the Big Apples. It's New York, you know. And you know when you're playing against the Yankees, you know, everybody's watching you. I mean, when we played against the Yankees, anytime, regular season, it's a packed house. Everybody's coming out to watch you. And, and I always tell everybody I love playing against the best teams. I love facing the best pitchers. And I always want to play against the best players. So, you know, when you do that – you know, that, that's the best part of it. That's why, as a competitor, that's what I like. I like playing against the best. Now, Shannon, definitely one of the highs of, uh, you know, your trips to New York came in 1998. You hit a pretty big home run against Hideki Arabu, but before <laughs> that, earlier in the game, quite a bit happened with your t- then-teammate Roger Clemens and Hideki Arabu. Um, what do you remember about a particular game almost, wow, I guess it would be 22 <laughs> years of the date from when we're recording this show, actually. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, that, that game was uh, really intense, um, especially when you, know, you got Roger Clemens pitching for you and, and you're in, in the Yankee Stadium. But I remember when, when Roger hit Scott Broches, and, you know, it seemed, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it might have been. But, you know, so anyway, he gets, he gets hit. Joe Torrey runs out, and he's, he's yelling at the umpire, saying it's on purpose, on purpose. And meanwhile – you know, times out. So me, Jose Cruz Jr. and and uh, Sean Green and outfield, and we're talking. And the first thing I say is like, man, you know, I'm be numb next thing. They they're probably gonna hit me. They're like, nah, nah, they're not gonna hit you. Not gonna hit you. Don't worry about. It. Don't worry about it. And you know, I was like, okay, okay. So I get up to the plate. I'll never forget it. Joe Girardi's catching, and he he mumbled something, and I don't know. He probably said heads out or, or, or you know, here it comes, something like that. And Hideki rocked me, hit me right in the arm, right in the elbow. And, you know, I got mad. I threw the bat down. And as I'm looking out toward the, the mound, he comes in running in. And next thing you know, the bench is clear. Um, strawberries out there, strawberries throwing punches. You know, I'm I'm mad. I'm talking to Rabu. Rabu's probably speaking to me in Japan. I don't know what he's saying. You know, so it's crazy. And um, the, the ironic thing is that I was able to to get in a bat against him again. I guess it was like seventh, eighth inning. And I hit a home run. And I hit a home run. And actually, the home run won the game. And I pretty much walked around the bases and got a home play, looked at him. I know he was mad, but um, it was a great feeling. But that was that was a, a great game. Um, you know, a lot of excitement, especially when you got Roger. When Roger's throwing, everybody's watching. And plus, we were in Yankee Stadium. So it was uh, a game to remember. 
a real Broadway <laughs> night. And, you know, we are on the Broadway Podcast Network. And, you know, there's a lot of great entertainment around the Big Apple. When you would come in as a visiting player, did you used to catch much Broadway or some of the concerts at the great venues we have? Does anything like that stand out? No, I didn't. I didn't. Able, wasn't able to go to any Broadway shows. Um, I went to a couple clubs, though. Um, I can't remember the, the name of the club now. It's been so long ago. But I remember going to club. And I remember one time we was at the club and uh, I met Mariah. Mariah Carey. I always tell my wife, I met Mariah Carey. You didn't meet Mariah. I said, yeah, I did. I said, uh, actually, we were at a table and um, she was getting down. It's, it's a, it had a club and the tables were like up high. And so she reached her hand out to me and I, you know, I grabbed it. But the, the bodyguard, just, I'm like, you know, I'll let it listen, she's, I'm just trying to help her down to help her down. She goes, hi, I'm Mariah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, said, I know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, everybody knows you're Mariah. And, you know, it was funny. I think maybe that, that was probably the time that her and Jeter were probably talking or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How, let me ask you, a lot, of, a lot of opponents seem to respect Jeter and some had their own feelings on A-Rod. When you think back on your career, you kind of played in an interesting era against the Yankees because you had that old guard of like Jeter, Mariano, Pettit, Paul O'Neill, and then of course it you know kind of transitioned to like A-Rod and Sheffield um, and Giambi, you know, some of the big names that they started to bring in. And they didn't they didn't really win, despite the fact that they brought in a lot of big free agents. You played for the most part during your time at Toronto with the same core group of players, lots of big talent. Does it ever surprise you that those Toronto teams didn't win more? I mean, I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking, well, he might ask me this question, but we we played in the toughest division of baseball. Um, Yankees were always, like you said, one of the top teams. I always got all the top free agents, and then Boston, top team, would get top free agents. So then you would have us, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay. So pretty much it's almost like you're playing for third place. Um, you know, those teams were stacked. I mean, they would get the best players. They'd get the best pitching. Um, Clemens, I mean, Roger went over there. You know, you got Cone, you get El Duque, um, Pettit. Boston had Schilling, Pedro, you know, just so many, so many good pitchers on those staffs. And then you had great players, um, you know, Jeter, the Posadas, um, Giambis. I mean, they get all the top free agents. You got Manny over there, Ortiz, you know, uh, Bear Tech. I mean, it just, the list go on and on. I mean, those guys are just, unbelievable and you know listen they they pay the big bucks and when you're i guess we weren't i think small market but i mean when you're not playing paying like that you know you don't have the pitching you know we had good good teams but we just we just weren't able to compete with those teams you know third place was wasn't good enough wasn't good enough you win 60 70 games and you still end up in third place you know so then i go to minnesota it's totally different you know you, you win 50, you win the division. So it's crazy. <laughs> and, you know, it's you crazy. had some great seasons. And, you know, 03 being no exception. And I guess you were traded to Minnesota midway through, through that year. Um, I always found it interesting, you know, because if you look at some of your best seasons, again, 2003 was a great one. But I always find it kind of interesting that you got your most mainstream attention as far as the MVP race um, during that, you know, half season in Minnesota. What do you think it was, you know, in 03 that, you know, put you on the radar compared to, let's say, your 99 or 2000, which were just as good, if not better? Well, two things. I think that um, obviously playing 
in the states is is you know you get more recognition. But when I moved, when I went to Minnesota, we were I guess there were seven and a half games out of the division, and the closer you would get to you know getting the first place, you know you get more attention. You know once you're in a division race, you know you're on TV all the time. Um, you know they're always showing the highlights on Sports Center. I mean every game is critical. So in that little time span from the half a season was probably my most important season I've played. Cause when I played in Toronto, we, you know, we, we weren't in it after this second half of the season, we're pretty much out of it. You know, he's uh, like, I say, you got uh, Boston and New York, but when I went over there, when the coast division race and I ended up playing well, and they, they were giving me a lot of credit. Cause when I came over there, there were seven and a half games out and, you know, I guess I sparked the, sparked the team, jump started the team. You know, and I, you know, funny thing, I I didn't do anything different. You know, I just did the same thing. But it was it was this during the time where you're going for division title, and it's in the states. And I think that just those two things elevated me, you know, to to where I was noticed more. But I think if I if I would have put up those numbers that's put up in Toronto and then say in New York or something like that, then you know, I'm sure that uh, my career would be that much, much, much better. Well, you really did have a great career, Shannon. What I really respect about it is that it's no secret that you played during the heart of the steroid era. And, you know, your competition was gaining an edge in ways that are frowned upon. And I think both you and your teammate in Oakland, Eric Chavez, might have been the two guys who were victimized by that as far as, you know, popularity goes. Um, and recognition, you know, throughout the game. Do you feel like, you know, for example, you would have made more all-star teams if you weren't playing during that time? And, you know, while it was going on, how aware were you of the steroid era? Um, I wasn't too aware of the steroid era. I think that, um, you know, you just you just go out there and try to compete. Um, I think that the, the era I played in was a great era. You know, I mean, a lot of those guys – that are so-called, uh, I guess we're accused of doing steroids. I mean, these guys are Hall of Famers to the Hall of Famers. Um, you know, the Bonds, the, the Clemens. I mean, these guys were, were unbelievable. The McGuire's. I mean, then, like I said, the, the uh, New York teams I played against, the Boston teams, Manny, Ortiz. I mean, th- this goes on and on. And Juan Gonzalez. But, I mean – Griffey, all these guys, you know, that I played against, to me, were unbelievable players. Um, I think that my air was one one of the best, you know, because if you say it's the best, then everybody's like, oh, what do you mean, you know? That I, my, one of my good friends, Andre Dawson, he probably said his, his was the best. And I'm not taking nothing away. You know, those guys are great. But I think that, you know, the guys I played against were <laughs> were really good and you know, were really good. Um, so, I mean, I you know. I hate the fact that, you know, we have to discuss that, you know, I, I wish that that was, that element was, was gone. And, you know, you look, look at the air for what it was. I mean, cause I'm sure there's a lot of guys, if they weren't, were whatever it was. And, you know, they, they don't think they were testing. So it's kind of like, man, you know, this guy's going to be really being tested and then all of a sudden they're penalized. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, t- it's tough. It's just a tough, you know, thing. But, um, you know, I'm very happy to be to say I played in that era of baseball. It was, it was to me, it was was really tough, man. Especially coming out that East, it was really tough. 
I enjoy it every day, though. You mentioned your friendship with Andre Dawson. Was he a guy that you looked up to growing up? Yes, I did. Matter of fact, Andre Dawson, he used to come. He, I saw Andre Dawson in my elementary school. I saw he came and talked to my junior high school. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I got to know him as a, as a senior in, in high school. So, I mean, the good thing about Andre is that he's a great people person. You ask him to do something, he's always willing to do it. Um, you know, he asks for help. He's willing to help you, uh, take a shot off the back for you. I mean, he's just a great guy. Um, you know, and I'm so happy he got into the Hall of Fame because he deserved it. And, you know, he used to talk about it. He's like, well, you know, I'm not going to make it. And I'm like, Hawk, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And he sure enough made it. And it was a great day, a great day for baseball because not only a great player, but a, but a great guy got in. Now, let me ask you, did he have anything to do with your decision to pursue baseball over football? Because, listen, it works pretty similar in the performing world sometimes, too, because, you know, you have a lot of folks who have to make that choice between, let's say, stage acting and screen acting. And they're very different businesses, much like, you know, the NFL and MLB. And I know you were recruited for FSU. Was, did the Hawk have something to do with that decision? Or how did you kind of decide to choose baseball over football? No, no, the Hawk wasn't in on that. Um, you know, basically, um, I, I got opportunity – to, you know, my mom was like, look, you know, you, if you get it drafted high, she wouldn't want me to go to college. And she's like, well, if you get drafted high, then, you know, I guess you can go ahead and pursue it. And she really wasn't thinking first round. She thinking, well, maybe second round, third round. Because back then, you know, it was, it was decent money, you know, for a second, third rounder. So when I got drafted first round, she was like, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I really want to try the baseball. You know, if it doesn't work out, we, I have money, then I can I can pursue my college education. You know, football is, you know, you're a good football player, but you know you get hurt. I got hurt. I hurt my hurt my shoulder playing football in high school. And no matter no matter what, you're gonna get hurt playing football. Um, the longevity, if you can make it, would be to play to be really play baseball. Um, and that was the choice. You know, my dad like, listen. You know, you have opportunity. You know. My my parents didn't know how good I how good I was until my high school game. There were like thirty scouts there, you know, and they're watching me. And you know, I think well, one time, you know, I was a kid. I always wanted to hit, and you know, they wanted to watch me run. And like, I think I popped out or I hit ball to ground ball, the shortstop. And I didn't really run. And I guess the scout came over to my mom and listen, you know, your son has a chance to be a first rounder, a high pick. You know, you need to, you know. Tell him when he has the opportunity to showcase his talent. You know, speed is one of his one of his talents. And then my mom was like, "Wow, you know, uh, you know, Shannon, these these scouts are talking about you, and you know, I think that you should, when you're out there, you know, don't get frustrated. Just, you know, play hard. You know, you know, if you don't, you don't hit the ball the way you suppose you like you think you can, or you know, you're not doing playing like how you should. You still gotta, you know, show your ability, um, hustle. You know." play because it's not only that they want to see you run they want to see you do other things throw they want to see you do all these other other things you know you don't make a hit you don't get a hit you don't get a hit and then she was like you know wow you know I, I think that um yeah she said that's when I knew that that you had a shot you know I really didn't pay any attention to to you you know I just thought you were playing but I really didn't pay attention to you having a chance to play pro ball until the scouts started talking to me and then I realized that these people were out here to watch you it was, it was crazy once you make it to the show, you being a first-round draft pick, a lot of pressure? 
Well, pressure that you put upon yourself. Because um, you know what? When you're first round pick, y'all just want to prove, you know, you're first round pick. This is why they, they just left me first round. Um, when you get a big contract, you want to prove to, you know, the organization or the people that like, this is why they gave me the big contract. So in the game, you're always, you're always trying to prove your worth, you know, prove why, you know, prove why. Listen, you know, he's, he let off last year. He hit 300, but can he do it again? You know, it, it wasn't a fluke. I, I got, let me, let me show that I can do it again. Let me show that I can, I can come out here and just um, perform at a high level, you know, under the pressure, you know, under having, having a, a high contract or, or I'm struggling. Can he get out of it? It's just, you know, you're always trying to prove, you're always trying to prove something, you know, and if anything, to prove it to yourself, you know, because I always was hard. The hardest critic was me, uh, you know, myself, self-critic. I just always, you know, I'm the toughest guy. So no matter what you say about me, I'm, I'm tougher than, than what you say. Shannon, one thing I always loved about you was your ability to steal bases. I know you stole 51 and 98, for example. Um, you see the way baseball is now. It's so analytically driven. And the art of stealing bases has kind of gone away. We don't see it as much. Um, has anything about the way baseball's changed? You know, does it bother you as a former player playing in that great era when you did? I mean... A lot of things bother you because I guess, you know, like the, all the analytics, you know, the thing that bothers me most about that is that, you know, sometimes baseball is a game where you, what you see, you know, you can, you can see a guy, you know, he might not, he might not get a hit off a pitcher, but he's hit four line drives. Like he's hit the ball hard four times against, against a guy. But, you know, you're going to bring a guy off the bench who, you know, who who probably doesn't have the same success. Well, the success, the success is because the guy's over four and hit four nine drives. But you're going to bring a guy in who you think is going to do better. But you, the guy's showing you that he can hit the guy. Just the results is what's there. Sometimes the results not there. I mean, pitching-wise, pitcher can can uh, throw a nice hard sinker on you and, and crack, and you crack your bat and you get a hit. You know, so... That's really the success was really the pitcher's success, you know, but you just happen to get a hit. It's just the luck of the game. You know, I, I, I hate that part about the game where, you know, they go by all these numbers because sometimes numbers don't tell the whole thing, you know, and, you know, sometimes there's some, there's some numbers that are false leading, you know, you, okay. I, I there's some guys that I, I probably hit good. And I do, they really weren't hitting good, you know, and there's certain guys that maybe I didn't hit good at all, but I was really on those guys. I really had good contact. I was really, you know, they didn't fool me or, you know, the guys that you just go up, there, man, I have no chance and you swing, you get a hit. Like, okay. Thank you. In your mind, you're like, thank you. But in the stat, it's like, okay, he's, he's a uh, one for one of these guys. So let's, let's put him in there. And in your mind, you go up, you're like, man, I, I don't see this guy good at all. He's uh he's tough. <laughs> so it's funny. It's funny how, how it works nowadays. What do you think of the whole Astro scandal and the way Manfred handled it? I think that he should have took the title away. Um I think if he would have took the title away, and 
you know, the Astros got a break because of the pandemic, the, the virus. I think that if if it was normal, um, they would get booed a lot, um, maybe thrown at. You know, I think it all would have been resolved if they would have took the title away from them, you know? I mean, that to me, that's cheating on another level. You always, you always try to get advantage. If I'm on second base, I'm looking in. I'm looking in the signs from the from the catch from the catcher, and I'm trying to okay pick it up. Okay, if he's throwing fastball, let me just try to lean to the right, you know, give it some or lean to the left on a curveball. Just trying to just trying to pick up something. Or sometimes the pitcher's up there pitching, he might tilt his glove for a curveball. He might leave it up on a fastball. I mean, that's just little stuff that you're picking up, you know. And that's in the game. It, in all sports, you do that, you know. In basketball, the guy can't go left. You try to make him go, you know, you try to make him go left, you know. Or, you know, if he's right down there, you try to go, you know, you, you do something different, you know, to get the advantage. But to use a, a device and, you know, um, to have have uh, guys banging, banging trash cans, you know. I mean, it's just like, to me, like, I don't even want to win like that, you know. And I tell you what, when I was playing, and if a guy had a sign or something, I could, I, I can't even hit like that, you know. Like if I know it's coming, I'm, you can just forget it. I might, I'm probably worse it in the game, you know. So it just, it just, um, I, I just feel bad, you know. I feel bad for the teams that if they lost because of that, you know, because it's hard to get there. It's hard to get to the playoffs. It's hard to, you know, to just to win and then to lose. Because, you know, they have a, a, a great advantage like that. It's just, just bad. I think they should have just took the title away. I'm in your camp there. And the thing that's bothered me the most is, I mean, we saw the incident with Joe Kelly, you know, throwing behind a couple of Astros hitters uh, and gets an eight-game suspension. And there, you know, you have other guys throwing at people's heads and their suspension is way less. It's like Manfred's trying to send a message to protect them. And meanwhile, you know, it's no secret that most people around the game were pretty upset with him going into the season. I just think, you know, especially once fans are back in the stands, I mean, they were ready to come to the, they were ready to come in hot against the Astros this year. And it's, yeah. it's, it's going to make people legitimately hate that franchise because of, you know, a few boneheaded decisions right. um, from some right. of the players they had on that, you know, 17 through 19 squad. So it's pretty unfortunate for sure. It is very, very unfortunate. All right. It is what it is. Shannon, would you ever consider trying to get back into the game in some way? Or what, you know, what have you been up to in retirement? Um, you know, I, I've been, I've been doing a couple of the Blue Jays. What I've been doing, I, I go back to have a Jays care, a golf tournament they do for, for the, for the kids, for the sick kids. Um, I go by, they have the tour, they have a Jays, Jays Fest, Winter Fest. You go up there and, for the fans, you, you know, you go up there, you sign autographs, you, you're out there on the field, you play games with the fans, you do little things to, you know, help uh, help promote the, the upcoming season. Um, you know, I've been involved with, with them the last three, four years because I hadn't been back to Toronto, shoot, 12, almost almost 10 to 12 years. And then um, when the PR people called me and said, hey, would you like to come up, you know, for Winterfest? Would you like to come up and, you know, be a part of this? Sure. And somebody, I guess they got the impression that I didn't want to do anything. I was like, no, I just never been asked. And then now, now it's like, oh, can you come up? Can you do this? Can you do that? So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here for them now. I do little things for the, for the Jays. But I have three young kids. I have a 
14 year old or 12 and 10 year old. And, you know, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the life. Uh, like I say, uh, before I was joking around with, with, with school, but I, you know, I help schoolwork. I, we, they, they, they all play basketball. I'm out there coaching them, helping them with their basketball skills. Um, just, just trying to be, you know, around. My dad was always around for me. Um, anytime I, I needed some, he was there. You know, he always took me to practice. He even coached, helped coach my little league team. So I just try to be heavily involved with the kids. But, you know, if they get older and I, you know, have an opportunity to do something with one of the teams I play with, then, you know, I, I might pursue it. But as of now, you know, I'm, I'm fine with just making an appearance here and there with, 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 with the teams that I play for. Um, I was going to go back and I guess uh, Minnesota had a, they were going to do like a little baseball game, celebrate their 60th uh, anniversary. But unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, um, I'm not able to, to attend that. But, you know, I was going to, I'm doing things like that. But other than that, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Mom, as they say. <laughs> Mr. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> they always joke at me too. They always joking at me. What you doing? You don't want to do nothing. You can't do nothing. You know, they doing homework. Yeah, okay. Do any of your teammates <laughs> break your chops for that, or a lot of them are probably doing the same thing, right? No, you know, a lot of them are golfing. Uh, they they hanging out. I'm looking on Instagram. They they they're doing a little thing. I'm over here doing schoolwork, and I'm over here doing little games. I'm like. A little tear comes to my eyes. I'm like, man, I should be out there. And they're sitting next to Stu. Why don't you come out? Oh, your wife won't let you come out. <laughs> like, oh, Damn, that's cold. <laughs> you know, you cooking dinner at night, Stu? Like, damn, yeah, I'm cooking dinner. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, that's my life, man, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh and I got two dogs. I got two dogs that I walk every morning. So, oh, that's great. What type of dogs? I got um a golden retriever and I got a golden doodle. And that's funny because you know I never had a dog in my life because any when I was a kid I used to always tell my dad, listen, dad, um, can I get a dog? No, you can't get a dog. You know why? Because the dog's gonna I'm gonna be take care of the dog. And I used to get mad, like, man, come on, dad, give me a dog. Like, no, no, no. Everything was no. Motorcycle, no. Dirt bike, yeah. Uh, no. It was, everything was no. And I, and I understand now why he said no. So now we got these dogs, and I came home one day, and my uh, kid and my kids and wife on the computer, and they're looking at these dogs. And I'm like, I said, y'all, look, y'all looking at dogs? What's looking at dogs? It's like, oh, oh yeah. Um, oh, we, we just ordered a golden retriever. Go and you order go and chill, and 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 when we go to Disney World, we're gonna go drive an hour and a half and pick him up and bring him back home. Oh, and his name is Charlie. So I'm like in shock. Damn. Okay. So about three episodes, Charlie's five. So two years ago, I come home and they're on the computer. Like, what y'all doing? We're looking at golden doodles. Oh, we got a dog coming. He's coming flying in from Alabama. His name is Kobe. I'm like, what? So now. When I come home, these dogs run to me. They don't look at nobody else in the house. They're, they're my dogs. I, I'm watching TV. I fall asleep. I look next to me. The dog is sleeping right by me. I'm like, damn. I'm like, man, what kind of life? So now I know why my dad didn't want a dog. But still, though, man, it's just, it's just terrible, man. My life is just, I got, I got five of them. I got three kids, a wife, well, six and two dogs. So they're all mine. It's just, it's just tough, man. It's tough on your boy. 
Get, hey, give me a job. Chad, <laughs> <laughs> you man. should start your own podcast, like Baseball Dads or something <laughs> like that. That would be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, nobody want to hear my life because it's boring. You know, yeah, he walked the dogs and doing homework. What is that? <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I need somebody with some excitement. That Stewart guy, he's boring. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got great delivery, I got to say. Yes, he did. That's it, bro. But now, um, Thank you, bro. One thing we do to wrap every show, Shannon, is a little segment called Fastball Derby. It gives the folks at home to learn a little bit more about you, you know, beyond your day-to-day. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, just think of it like this. You're in the ninth inning. You're facing a Raldis Chapman. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. We ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to your head. You got to think fast. How does that sound? Okay. That's the hard one because, you know, I'm a very slow thinker. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. There's no rules. There's no time limit. Okay. Okay. Favorite New York City meal? Uh, Steak. (laughs) New York strip. (laughs) Nice. Nice choice. Okay. Teammates of yours who would make the best Timon and Pumbaa in The Lion King on Broadway. I know you said you took a little trip to Disney World, so I take it you know Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, Toy Hunter and Jock Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Pumbaa? Who's the warthog? Uh, Toy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll love that. <laughs> They're going to love it. They're going to be mad. Sorry. <laughs> Toughest pitcher you ever had to face. Randy Johnson. Prime Randy Johnson. I cannot even imagine that. Oh, man. I, I, listen, Randy Johnson, out of all the guys, he's the only guy, like, literally, I just walked up there and I said, it's over. I have no chance. <laughs> I know. I was in spring training, and um, uh, I got the guy, the coach, the third base coach of the Yankees, and I'm facing Randy Johnson, and, like, I, I swear, I have the three, like, a check swing bad, and I, I swung at some stuff in the dirt. And he, oh, his name was Larry Ball. Larry Ball. He goes, damn, Stu, I never seen you look like that at the play. I said, you never seen me hit against Randy Johnson then. <laughs> so, like, shoot. Shoot, that's, that's every time I face Randy. <laughs> so it was bad, man. It was bad. How about a guy you owned? Oh, I like, I like facing um, Mark Burley. And it's a great pitcher also, though. That's I mean, that's yeah. a, you could do a lot worse than, you know, a former all-star as a guy you owned. There are a few guys. There are a few good pitchers. That I, I, hit, I hit Pedro well. Uh, Pettit wasn't too – I did well against Pettit. So there are a lot of – I, I got up I got up for the for the good pitchers. You know, I really did. I really did. My game was when I had to face a good pitcher, like I wasn't sleeping that night. I was, okay, he's going to come in on basketball, curveball. I said I was fighter, you know. I was ready. <laughs> Biggest pregame superstition? Um, biggest pregame superstition. Um, you know, I, I would try to do the same thing. Like, eat, you know, if I was four for four, I'd do the same thing. I would go eat at the same place. Um, I would make sure I wore wore the same shoes. I would I would make sure I do I did everything almost. Everything exactly I did. If I went out the night before, I was gonna go out that night again. <laughs> so I mean, everything I did. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I remember one time. I remember one time I was struggling, and uh, I was like, oh, for, oh, for fifteen, oh, for twenty, going to New York. 
And I think they had, I think it was Wells, we had Cone Wells, and I think we had um, a Rabu. And I'm like, man, it's going to get worse. So I went out that night, and, you know, I'll I, I put it this way. It was an all-nighter. So I, I went to the party the next day, I'm taking BP, and I was hitting balls. I was hitting ground balls and BP. And I'm sure, like, the coaches see on them, look at them, like, what is wrong? This dude can't hit, can't even hit a line drive, can't even hit the ball out the infield and BP. What's wrong with this guy? And I, I got in, I got into the clubhouse and I was like, oh man, it's gonna be a rough one. I got out there, first at bat, triple off the ball, second bat, triple off the ball, third bat, I'm on three for five home run. You know what I did? Went out again the next night, and you know what? Got got four more hits. <laughs> I was like, damn, I'm going to keep going out. <laughs> that must have been the night you saw Mariah Carey on the dance floor. I think it probably was. It probably was, you know. So, I mean, every now and then you just, you know, you get lucky and just, you know, you, you, just, try to, you just try to do whatever you can to be successful in the game, man. You know, I'm sure all athletes, whatever it is, if they're doing something, they're going to continue to do it, you know, if they're, if they're just successful. Coolest piece of memorabilia you kept from your playing career? I got my 50th stolen base, uh, you know, when I um, stole 50, uh, they, they gave me the base and I, you know, I got it mounted up in the house. Um, you know, I think cause when I came in, when I came in, my thing was just, you know, get on base, score runs and steal, steal bags. And, you know, I developed into a hitter. That's so why I developed into such a, I guess, a decent hitter that, you know, they told me to, you know, to stop running. You know, Jay people tried to came in and he came in with the open system. And, you know, we, I guess his his philosophy was, you, you know, stealing bases, you, you get thrown out, you know, you got a better chance of scoring, you know, not taking the risks. And once I stopped, you know, once he came in, I stopped, you know, and I probably would have had a lot more stolen base than I had, but he came in and, Right when I right in the pick of my stolen basing, right in the peak when I was stealing a lot of bases, he kind of shut everything down. So I should have more than I did, but hey, listen, man, you know, whatever, whatever happened, it happened. One team you played on that you thought had the best chance of winning the World Series but didn't? Um, the old three twins. I think it was the best chance. You know, I think we had the best chance. Um, we had Brad Key, Santana, um, Eddie Godardo closing, Troy, Troy Hawkins to set up. And we had a, a, a great team, a scrappy team. Um, you know, I think everybody, everybody knew their role, you know. Um, we were together as a team. We had a great leader. Troy Hunter was our leader. Um, Awesome, awesome, awesome guy, awesome player. Um, brought everybody together. Had a lot of fun. Coaching staff was was laid back, you know, to where, you know, not not too worried about certain things and just let us play. Um, ran to the Yankees, though. Ran to the Yankees. Like I say, ran to a, a great team. You know, just a more talented team. But I think that if we would have got past the Yankees, we had a shot. Real, real shot to win it all. I remember that team had Corey Koski too, right at third base. Corey Corey Koski, great guy. Corey Koski, great guy, man. Yeah, Canadian, Canadian. 
<laughs> the, the Canadian man, good guy, man. You guys were stacked. I remember that team too. Yeah. Proudest moment of your career. Proudest moment. I think the proudest moment of my career was was the 03. Cause um when I got traded, I was I was crushed. My my heart was broken because I love playing in Toronto. Um, you know, that that was that was a team that, you know, first of all, they drafted me. Um, I, I just had so many connections to the city, you know, the people. I, and I loved, I loved the people. And I think they, I think they liked me as well. Um, so before, I, before the All-Star break, I went home and there was a lot of trade rumors. So my, uh, my agent called J. People Chargers and listen, are, are you going to trade Shannon? Peter Gammons told me that, listen, you know, you're probably going to go to the Yankees or the Phillies. You know, it's done deal. And, you know, HCL coming to the park, I just was waiting. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get traded. Today's going to be the day. And that day wasn't the day. The next day, I thought it was going to be the day. So finally, we get all the way to the All-Star break. And I'm like, okay. My agent calls, calls, Pichari, listen, are you going to trade? No, we're not going to trade him, whatever, blah, blah, So I'm home. I'm at a buddy, of my buddy's restaurant. And I get a call from a 612 number. And I answer it, and it's the GM from the Toronto, from the, from the Minnesota Twins, Terry Ryan. He said, "Hey, Shannon, uh, just like to know we just we just traded for you. Um, you know, uh, it just you know, we're excited to have you." And I'm on the phone. And I'm like, I'm like stunned, you know. Then the, then the Toronto, well, the Toronto uh, GM called me first. He's like, "Look, we just traded you to the Twins. Um, thanks for every, they're going to call you. Thanks for everything." Real cold. I was like, "What?" I'm like shot. And then the GM calls me from the twins, and then I'm sitting there, and my buddy's a chef at, the, at this restaurant, and he's looking at me like, "What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "Shot!" And it probably like I'm about to cry, you know. He's like, "Man, he's like, I, was like, I, just, I just got traded to the twins, you know, like like shot." He's like, "Oh man, that's great! Yeah, you going to the twins? It's awesome! Blah blah blah! You know, it's, it's gonna be great." I was crushed, and then I and then I went home, and my dad tells me, "Listen, man, great opportunity." He's like. You go over there, you know, you play well, you know, things might, you know, things might just take off for you. Things might just happen for you. But, you know, just get get out your mind. I know you love Toronto, but, you know, now you, you know, you, you got to stay focused. And he was right. But I, I went through a lot of emotions, but I got over it. And everything that happened that year was just, was just great. You know, we went, went to the playoffs. We ended up winning the division title. I ended up getting third MVP. I was I was playing, and people were screaming the MVP, MVP. It seemed like every every game, you know, I was doing something to help the team win. And you know, it was just it just it just was great. You know, the team was great. So I went from a from an ultimate low to the ultimate high in 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 one year. So that's my proudest moment. That is unbelievable, Shannon. I love to hear stories like that. And, you know, it leads me to my last question. You know, you've had a really, really great career, you know, both on the field and in retirement as a father and a husband. But, uh, you know, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Um, the best piece of advice when I was coming out of high school and I was, I was getting, you know, I had obviously being drafted. Um, I had offers to play football, base, baseball in college, and, you know, obviously the, um, being drafted first round. Um, 
the principal told me, listen, um, you know, whatever you do, man, just be yourself, you know. Don't don't get too high, don't get too low. Just stay, just stay even, stay even killed, stay humble, you know, and then be smart. You know, try not to let success only can get to you. But I was I was never that type of kid anyway. But you know, they said this don't change. The way you are now, stay the same way. And he said, people will love you, people will will, will just respect you. And you know, because people today they're like, man, like, man, for for an athlete, and man, you're cool. I mean, like, I wouldn't even know that you played in league. You know, most people walk around, you know, and change, and they, you know, they walk around like, you know, you know, they're cocky. But you just like, just like the normal dudes. They said anybody sees you, they wouldn't even know. You know, you're a people person. You talk to everybody. You, you know, you don't think you're better than anybody. And I said, well, damn, I'm like, well, why would why would people think they're better than anybody? I said. We all bleed red, you know, you know, hey man, you know, nobody's better than anybody. Can you be surprised how, how most athletes are most 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 celebrities think? And I was like, wow. As I said, I said, for me just being who I am or how I was how I was raised or the humble humbleness is like shocking to me sometimes because I'm like, I think it's how people should be anyway. But you know, that was the best advice that the principal gave me. Um and I just, you know, I'm proud to be able to just say, hey, you know, when people see me, that man, you know, you never change. That's the best thing that when people say, man, Stu, man, Stu, you never change. Man, you always been the same. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think that was anything special. But when people say that, I like this, wow, am I, am I supposed to be walking out here like Superman? <laughs> Damn. You know, I'm supposed to be humble. <laughs> I'm thankful, man. Sure, you could be, couldn't have made it, you know? <laughs> Shannon, we're pretty thankful, too. You know, just being a baseball fan my whole life, like I said, you were always a guy that I admired, you know, for the way they played the game and what you did in the field. And um, I'm so honored that you were able to join us tonight. So thank you. Man, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, it's, you know, anytime, you know, you want me to come on and talk about being uh, a, a, a mom, dad, and, you know, Mr. Mom or whatever you want to call me, you know, joke on me. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Shoot. Well, yeah. Hey, I'd rather be talking to you than cooking. Like I'm all <laughs> cooking or walking the dogs. <laughs> I got you out of your chores tonight. Break a bag. You got me out of my <laughs> oh, my wife, she, what's she, she telling me to come cook? Ah, oh, damn it. I got you. Got me, got me, got me back in the house, man. Dan, <laughs> yeah, you're the best. And you, hey, when we're on the other end of this thing, come to New York. Maybe we'll get you over to Broadway for the first time. How does that sound? Oh, that'd be great, man. That'd be great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Shannon. Well, folks, I can't thank all of you enough for joining us today and listening in. Really appreciate it. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.